podcastjuice.net. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very special episode of the Prince Podcast. This is what we call the album celebration. And today we are celebrating and talking about Prince's first album for you. And to help me do that today, I got a nice uh, panel of experts, Prince enthusiasts, music enthusiasts, uh, a lot of voices you've heard before. Joining me today, Mr. Big Ken. Sir, how are you? I'm doing good. Good to be here, man. All right, man. It's good to, good to have you back in the podcast, man. Well, you know, <laughs> I do what I can do when I can do it. Okay, okay. And we got a special guest. Uh, we are doing a... Uh, Sort of like the uh, if there was ever an Avengers movie tied into, and I guess I got to say this <laughs> carefully because, uh, or, or or DC and Marvel come together for extravaganza. We are joined uh, by Mr. Author from the Music Snobs, sir. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Another uh, another Prince Snobs um, mashup. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Shout out to Jahan. Uh, couldn't make it today. We definitely <clears throat> definitely reached out to get him on. Uh, also, shout out to Day Dropping. Uh, we may still drop into the show. We'll see. And also another special shout out to Big Sexy and Sack, who I believe will be coming up a little late. You know how our people do sometimes, but he's on his way. Uh, we're going to hold the door open for him. But with all of that said, what we're going to do today is talk about the album for you Uh and not necessarily a track-for-track track review, but we want to just discuss the album. We want to celebrate this album. And, you know, the whole point of this whole series is to celebrate and discuss all of the albums. But what we're going to do is start at the top. And this is sometimes an album that is not played a lot or referenced uh, as much as it maybe it needs to be. So hopefully this will be an opportunity where we can really talk about the love of this album and, you know, the quality of this first Prince album, which is to me a very intriguing album when you look at it in context of everything that he's done. All right, so Prince For You, this album was released April 7th, 1978, which I didn't even think about at the time, but that's almost, uh, what, that's like 38 years ago? Yeah. Almost to the day, a few more days <laughs> off. Yeah. God, that's, whoo. It's a trip to me now that I think about a lot of these albums I listen to, I'm like, wow. That album came out 20 years ago. This album came out 30 years ago. It's, it makes me feel old. Um, right. I mean, <laughs> recording this, we're, we're just a day or two beyond the anniversary of Parade. 30, yes. 30th anniversary of Parade. 30 years ago, Parade. Doesn't that sound crazy? Like That is crazy. <laughs> All right. But today for you. So, yeah, like I said, this album came out April 7th, 1978. This was Prince's first album. Uh, I believe my man was 19 years old at the time. Uh, let that sit in for just a little bit. A 19-year-old Prince, first album, Warner Brothers, a major label deal. It, 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 real quick, and I didn't think to do this, but I, I'm just thinking about it. Prince's first album for you, and yeah, I always compare these guys, but he's a contemporary somewhat guy. Say D'Angelo's first album, Brown Sugar. And mm. you can look at both of these albums and if you look at where they are at this point, you know, of course, D'Angelo does not have the body of work. He may have the span of time, <laughs> you know, 14 years. Right, right, right. <laughs> but the quality of, you know, if you went 14 years from uh, 
for you to what have would have would have been that next out you know that 14 years out would it be what uh love sexy or something like that or 92 92 diamonds and pearls no that's a symbol album 92 yeah. pearls right. 91 right that's right there's such a what well, yeah this is a drastic difference to to some degree uh where they are at that point why I went there I don't know I was just just thinking about that but Princess for you. So what I want to do is dial back a little bit. I think all of us were not old enough at that time to be walking into any record store for that matter. Uh, maybe asking for a Jackson's record. I, that was like the big thing for me, something to deal with Michael Jackson. But aside from that, I wasn't buying albums in 1978. Uh, probably the first album I got, which was in 1970, uh, it's been John Williams, Star Wars, but that's another story. Uh, so I want to know when you guys first heard For You. Uh, I'm going to go to Big Ken. So what was your first introduction to the For You album? Well, you know, when you sent this topic out, I was thinking about it. Okay, so I was nine years old when this album came out. Just like you, obviously, I wasn't buying records. But I was thinking to myself, I don't recall hearing any songs from this album on the radio at all like my first Prince song that I can remember ever hearing on the radio was I Want to Be Your Lover but I don't remember them ever doing anything from this album on the, on there so I didn't really get hip to this album until 86 because by that time I was full-fledged a member of the Purple Army I was gone hook, line, and sinker from that point after Around the World of Day and Parade I was, I was gone I was, there was no no hope for me at that point. So at that point, I'm like, I need to go back and get this cat's entire catalog. And at that time, that year, we moved from uh, the south side of Chicago to my father moved us out to the suburbs. And I ended up going to this uh, local mom pop rate, uh, record store. And I bought the cassettes for For You, Prince, uh, Dirty Mind, Controversy. You know, in 19, I just bought everything that I didn't have on cassette. And so that's the first time that I heard this album. It was probably sometimes, sometime late in, nine, in 86. Man, you got like a power pack of, of music. Oh, yeah. I just, I just grabbed them all. I just grabbed them all. I mean, I, I grabbed everything that I didn't have because at that point, obviously, I had Purple Rain and all this stuff after. But I didn't have, didn't own the albums prior to that. And so I was just like, OK, just, just grab them. I just grabbed them all off the shelf. And just started from the beginning, man. And I was blown away, to say the least. I mean, I, you know, I, I'll say this. What this album represented to me when I first heard it is just, to me, it was validation, further validation, further proof of what I had come to realize by the time Around the World of Day and Parade and all that stuff had came out, that this guy was above reproach. I mean, this guy was on another level. I mean, just hearing that initial vocal part in the beginning, you know, where, you know, he's establishing his vocal range and you hear, you know, he's establishing the falsetto. I had never heard anything like that in quote unquote popular music. And so right off the bat, it just it just set the tone and it just validated everything that I already knew. All right. All right. Uh, Arthur, what, what was your first experience with the For You album? Well, like Ken, I didn't get to that album till later. Um, I was seven years old. Well, actually, I was six years old at the time that the release happened, going on seven. Um, and But I had the benefit of having an older sister, 10 years older than me. 
so I had I had exposure to a lot of current music, um, you know, just as a boy. And although I was I was current in 1979 with hearing the Prince album, I did not I didn't know that For You even existed until maybe 83 or 1984, when like so many other things, uh, I was introduced to by girls and trying to impress them. <laughs> And uh, there was, you know, there was a girl in my, I think, seventh grade class whose favorite song was uh, "So Bl- um, So Blue." And I thought that, you know, I could impress her by already being familiar with that song, but I had never even heard of that song. So that's what led me to "For You" even listening to it. And, you know, I mean, like Ken, it. My first impression was was twofold. I mean, one, it certainly was validation. I mean, I already been. In, fully exposed and even had as far as owning um you know controversy 1999 you know purple rain so it it certainly was an album that you all he didn't sound like an amateur you know Mm -hmm. he sounded strong coming out of the gate but it's also an album that it's almost like um the pilot of a really good television series you know Mm -hmm. It wasn't it wasn't an album that I felt that I needed to have in my collection other than the fact that I wanted a complete, you know, Prince collection. I mean, if we take the uh, the canonical masterpiece years, you know, the nine albums from 1978, you know, to 1988 for you is in nobody's top three, but it's probably in everybody's bottom three, you know. Um, And I think I think just the landscape of 1978 you know it was a a lot of artists the record industry was certainly different at that time where artist development was really a priority of a lot of a lot of labels and warner brothers really worked hard on their stable of musicians and and they had good people in the r&b department um if you think about it like this uh, April 8th was the release date of Princess For You, right? But April 20th of 1978 was the debut of Rick James and Come Get It, mm. right? For You had absolutely nothing on it that was going to deal with you and I. <laughs> For You doesn't have anything on it that can deal with Mary Jane. You know what I mean? Right, right. And also in that year, that's uh, one nation under the groove, one nation under a groove from from Funkadelic, you know. So you had really hardcore funk anthems on the radio. So it's like no surprise that none of us ever heard "Soft and Wet," which was probably the only song that was that was you know that was pushed to black radio. So in my you know in my personal book, of course, for you is is the left end you know of my of my nine album, really ten album because I filed the black album in between sign of the times and love sexy, like everybody's really supposed to do. But the second conversation, just in those nine albums, of course I have it. I listen to it far more often now than I did, than I did then, you know, um, because it is a good album. And I think that it's an album that, that every, that every Prince fan and every music collector should have. But it's never my it's never it's never my first recommendation, and it's never my fifth recommendation, you know. Um, but uh, I think that um, from an age standpoint, it's aged well, but it does sound very dated. And 
closing it off, you know, I think it's because he's lived with a lot of this music, you know, from, from for years and for at least three years. I think he was starting recording with with uh, with Peppy Willie in like as early as 1975, you know, and you can you can kind of tell that some of the that some of the some of the songs, particularly a song like um, uh, Just As Long As We're Together, where he's got this vocal part in the beginning, you know, with the harmonies and the chorus. And then there's this clear um, percussion break. And then he goes into this extended jam that lasts about three, three to four minutes. And, and it's like that, that jam is very clearly something that he's been, you know, working on, uh, you know, at, at when like the bootleg 77 Loring sessions, 77 Loring sessions, the, the, uh, the, yeah. the songs that he recorded with or with, with the Owen, Owen Hensey, you know, and recorded with Andre and Bobby Z, you know, and just so, you know, he's got these, he's got these songs that he's working out. Some of which he probably arranged lyrics, you know, wrote lyrics too, because they really didn't have song titles, you know? Um, but as good as I, as good as the album is, you know, and as much as I do like it, you know, um, the real story of Prince to me begins with, with you know, Prince in 1979. All right. Well, I wanted to go back to one of the things you, you touched on, sort of the climate of what was going on. And you mentioned Rick James. Uh, I also, I was looking at some of the top albums of that time frame in 78, I believe like the number one album, on April 8th. No, I don't know what day that falls on, but uh, it was Bootsy. Um, Boosie mm, player, player of the Year uh-huh. uh, was was the was like three weeks at number one. Before that, you know, BG Saturday Night Fever. Mm-hmm. Uh, going back to '77, sort of the period of where they're recording this record. You know, I think it's all about um, songs in the key of life was obviously huge. Uh, Rufus, Shaka Khan, yeah, um, all in all, with uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Earth. Was, was I guess a, a beast chart? Oh yeah, and I mean se- September was released that year. Yeah, so there's a and lot got, of. Go ahead. And got and got to get you into my life, which were which were heavy heavy black radio plays. I may be a little off on my years with September. That might be 1979, but I know they got to get you into my life was 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 hardcore 78 and number one on black radio. You know. Yeah. So, so it's like the, he he released this album came out in the midst it's almost like it's almost like the album came out in the midst of other warner brother releases so that it could you know they could bundle for you in with radio play because like mm. the player of the year that was a warner brothers release right. Lucy was a warner brothers black artist yep yeah i mean it was a ton of just just the quality of the music that was being released at ta- that time you know we, we we look at those as classic releases a lot of these pieces of work and this is the environment that he has to come out in, right? Where so yeah, you as you said, you have to be on a certain level. You're not gonna even get you're not gonna get no play. It didn't even matter. Like this isn't like today where they can just throw some money at it and put you right mm-hmm. on the front and this shit could be whack, but it uh oh, we paid for that spot. Back then, you know, you was either the shit or we didn't hear, <laughs> yeah. or we didn't hear nothing about you. You know, it was you're just a regional sort of thing. And if that if and even if that was going to pop, so I mean, this is Prince coming off in that 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 era. But going back to like, sort of for me, I'm the same way. I did not know Prince existed back then. Um, I believe I got this album for the first time. It might have been like right after Cherry Moon came out, you know, on Parade, and I was just so like thirsty for more 
print stuff more than what they were releasing at the time. And it got into my head that, oh, yeah. Because we used to go to Tower Records every Friday and just mm-hmm. look through the aisles and stuff. It's like, well, he's got all these other tapes sitting here. And it was kind of like, well, what do you want to start with first? Because, you know, not knowing what to expect, I was so enamored with Purple Rain and, uh, and uh, un- around the world and all that. So I'm like, okay. And I think the first one I got actually was Controversy. But I may have, I think I got th- uh, For You last of all the old ones. <laughs> and, and, and just, you know, it's probably more so the cover for me. Yeah, because he had the afro. You already knew. What was yeah, I was like, on. okay, this is, this is so far removed from what I envisioned him of today. But I'm like, that's him. And it looked like an old type of, you know, I was like, okay, let me check this out. I remember getting it, and I remember putting it on. I was just like, wow, this is Prince, but it sounded, uh, the words to say, it almost, it sounded like a very standard yeah. uh, R&B, but it, I mean, it sounded very good. I was like, wow, I didn't know he played it straight. You know what I mean? It's like he was playing it straight because I'm so used to this wild Present, mm-hmm. you know, presentation of Prince. I was like, "Wow, this is very interesting." Yes. And you can hear it's like it's unremarkable. Yeah, yeah. But you know, the thing is, you could hear the little glimpses of what I know of him at that particular time. Like, oh, okay, here's a little guitar stuff, and you know, soft and that's wet. That's what I was saying earlier. That's what I was saying earlier. You could hear the seeds yeah. of what we're, what, what we could come, what we came to know of Prince. But I wouldn't say it was unremarkable. I just thought what it might have been more calculated. Like you could tell, at least to me. It seemed like you could tell that this guy was very aware that this was his debut album. And so he wanted to put a range of songs in there and not play to one particular style. Mm-hmm. Okay, he, I mean, he could have easily just did a, an album full of, you know, funk type stuff if he wanted to. But it seems like he, you know, showcased his vocal range. He showcased the ballads. He showcased the instrumentalism. He it was very polished. That's the word that I, that I use. It's very polished okay. for a first time artist right that, that's the thing that struck me for someone to be 19 and this is his first debut album it's a very polished sound it's not perfect but it's very polished but yeah. i think it was calculated i think it was calculated to a degree I, yeah i would agree with that I, I i would even go so far to say that warner brothers wasn't sure how to market prince well, remember they wanted they album. wanted maurice wright to produce his stuff right remember he had right. to fight to get yeah. that right so yeah. they probably weren't sure yeah and even if you look at some of the promotional materials, like the inner sleeve, I mean, first of all, Prince's two albums, he didn't wear any clothes, right? <laughs> the inner sleeve in, in For You, you know, had the, had the composition, I mean, the, um, the, uh, the three photographs of him with this acoustic guitar, you know, on a bed naked, right? With and the perm, with the perm, don't with the perm. perm. Parted down the middle, right? Which is very but, telling, telling, right? Early on, he's letting you know. This yeah, is what I'm about. It, it, it's Buck Wild about to happen. But but the promo shots were were him, you know, with the neat afro, the trim mustache, you know, with the leather jacket without the shirt, but the leather jacket with the chain and everything. I mean, it was bare. It was like it was like he was a member of Switch. You know what I'm saying? Like he was singing with Bobby DeBarge because they didn't. And, and it's sort of like they didn't really know. Like this is the photo that we're going to send to Right On magazine. You know what I mean? Right. And this this you know this freak shot we'll just go ahead and just slide this into the album itself so that nobody really can you know see that till we can kind of figure out what we're going to do with this kid but i agree with ken i think it was a, i think it was an album that between 
Prince's management, Huntsie, and Warner Brothers uh, uh, Brass to say that, okay, let's, let's create an album that we can go in more than one direction in. We can either go kind of the funk route, the Bootsy crowd, the Larry, you know, the Graham Central Station crowd, right? Um, the disco crowd, because disco was still, this was like a year before disco uh, started feeling the backlash. Um, Donna Summers on the radio was not on the radio, I'm sorry, but um, um, uh, Last Dance was uh, a non-album. I think it was appeared on the soundtrack for the movie, Thank God It's Friday. So, I mean, it was a very disco climate that was happening there. We, nobody's even brought up Barry White yet, who was still kind of that, you know, that smooth early, early 70s, you know, gruff, heavy, heavy baritone sound. Uh, Teddy Pendergrass, that was the year with uh, you know only you and and life is a life at the song worth singing album that was coming out so there was a there was a really telling time in black music between this you know this 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 twenties going into thirty somethings and teens going into twenties meld where that same kind of music catered to both audiences was being heard on mainstream black radio and so Prince just needed an album that he can kind of be in the room and be in the conversation. And I think that other recording artists knew early on that this kid was going to be the real thing, but he'd be the real thing, you know, an album or two later, which Prince actually did show and prove that he was the next thing in 1979. Yeah, you know, I think this album is like, it's it's kind of like you say, it's so much of um, of the time and it wasn't, I don't know how much of it was actually Prince. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah, yeah, it yeah, didn't right. have the identity to it. It was like, oh, okay. It's just like when I listen to it musically, I, I was I, sometimes to me this production is somewhat superior than some of the later stuff, and just in terms of how it's recorded and all of the parts and everything. I mean, it's a some of these songs are extremely lush. Uh, some string, my, my love strings. is forever. It's perfect, man. My yeah. love is forever. It's perfect. The, the quality yeah. of it is is amazing. The vocals on this is what I really love this album for his harmonies and everything he's doing are some of the best he's done to me just the way you can actually hear everything that's going on somebody brought up DeBarge earlier it's funny I think of this album when I listen to um, some of Elle's 80s stuff mm -hmm. I, I can see these songs sitting side to side they remind me like oh this is the same kind of stuff to me like it's the falsetto um, I really mm -hmm. like some of these love songs they seem to they sit in that same sort of when I play them I play, you know like you said love is forever baby I'm like man I love these songs that he's the way he's doing these when I play these to people they don't know it's Prince they're like who is this I they know yeah. it's an old song but it's like this is good I'm like this is Prince like I've never heard this before like when did he do this kind of stuff yeah I'm like, yeah this is the first you know when he first but go ahead yeah. Now, I remember he would say that falsetto, it was easier for him to sing in falsetto uh, because it was, right. you know, easier on his voice. But I do think that it was a dis... Well, I don't know. It's a little it's a little uh, ambitious of me to be like, you know, yeah, this was a strategy, you know. But the only other that I can remember, the only other famous falsetto singer was Philip Bailey. Like, wouldn't know... People really weren't singing in falsetto in the late 70s, right? 
Am yeah, I wrong about that. that? I mean, I'm thinking about Gary Scheider, who sang with Parliament and Bootsy, you know, but that that was falsetto, but that really wasn't like Philip Bailey falsetto, right. you know what I'm saying? That wasn't yeah, Prince wasn't, falsetto. Wasn't too many of them. You, you right. know, I was reading uh, reading up a little bit on, uh, what was I reading? Dance Music Sex Romance. Definitely check that book uh-huh. out. And there's a part in there, and I'm sorry, I don't remember the name of the engineer, but he was like, he would walk in there on the vocal sessions and Prince, he was saying Prince was extensively listening to uh, Rufus featuring Shaka Khan mm. and he was mm-hmm. doing the harmonies he wanted to do the harmonies like what he was hearing there and he kept asking so why are you listening to this and he's well I want to know my competition and it was also mm-hmm. interesting during this he actually met Shaka Khan during the making of this album for the first time uh, she came to the studio uh, I guess he played a trick on her pretending like he was Sly Stone or something on the phone and she came in there and, and she ended up cussing him out, but then, then sat down and started listening to what he was doing. I was like, okay. Uh, so, so this is interesting. He met Shaka Khan, his first album. Of course, they go on to have a long history together. Um, he meets Santana. Yeah, uh, okay. During this as well, right? Which obviously you know, big influence. And he also met Sly Stone uh, in the studio during this album. Uh, I think Sly was either at the same studio or, or the record plant or something and they had him come over and he just shook his hand you know they said Prince is in there playing keyboards and Sly just came and he said Sly was, had an attitude or somebody hey how you doing and, and walked out but I was just like to see that he got to meet like the probably the at least of the three of these people that are very influential to him during mm-hmm. the first record uh, so I was just like wow in 19 you get to meet you, know, you get to meet the guys that you probably like, okay, yeah, I'm trying to do a little bit of, of what they got going on. So it was interesting that he got to meet some of the greats during his sort of coming into the, to the game a little bit. Um, what I wanted to ask you, oh, what did you guys think of the production of the album? We talked a little bit about it, but in terms of where he goes later production-wise, what did you think about this first album, 19 years old? Um, you know, some people say Andre Simone had a hand in in some of these tracks uh patrice russian uh played on a few things as well uh what, what do you guys think about the production of the album start with ken well like i said before man it's it's very polished it's very uh well organized and it, it sounds nice too I, and i always thought too man like you i think you had touched on it earlier that there were so many vocal parts in there in terms of the harmonies and layered harmonies and stuff that you know, didn't carry over as much in, in subsequent records. I mean, he does it from time to time. He did it from time to time. But I'm saying this album is filled with them. And and that always stood out to me. And it made me kind of wonder why it didn't go as farther into the later albums as well. But in any case, I mean, you know, it's mixed pretty well. I mean, considering the time frame, it's, it's not real high volume like it is nowadays. I mean, but then again, you know, most of Prince's records, as we all know, especially throughout the 80s, weren't mixed the greatest in terms of volume and stuff either. But overall, I mean, it was a, a, a quality production. Again, for him to be only 19 and basically be running the whole show, that's, to me, that speaks volumes. And, and that more or less just set the tone for what we would come to expect and know of him in the future. What did you think, Arthur, about, you know, the production and the songs? And again, there's various different styles, you know, on this record. You know, it ends with sort of like, uh, you know, the dawning of sort of what's to come, possibly with some of the rock. Uh, was it, I'm yours. So it kind of gives you an idea. Well, there's a little more to this cat than just, you know, this R&B heavy sort of record. 
uh, thing. So what were your thoughts on the music? Um, I know he liked reverb a lot then. <laughs> and I think that kind of attributes to the, to the, to the dated, you know, sound and, um, my feeling that this was like a real, you know, showcase record. Um, I really, I, I, you know, I actually like the sequencing a lot on this, okay. um, to open with the, uh, to open with the acapella and to close with the, uh, the electric guitar, which, which is, shows off his, uh, influence is Carlos Santana influence that he has on his guitar playing. Um, I, I, I also think that, um, him doing both crazy you and so blue, which are both kind of acoustic guitar featured songs, um, you know, one per side of the album, uh, was a nice touch to kind of break up the, the jam oriented and because uh, the only real ballad is I mean granted so so blue is a ballad but I mean like the only real ballad would be with like baby mm. right and um, to give you something that is still ballad type but not like always and forever or you know your traditional at the disco slow dance song um, was a really nice touch for him to still even though it was kind of a feature record showcase record still gave him a bit of uniqueness that uh like kenneth said you know was very telling about the things that that were to come when he would you know do songs that are a little more you could tell like it's just by himself and a little more uh thoughtful in his in his approach like um uh what give me an example arthur like 1985 on the around the world today for uh, condition of the heart you know, yeah, it's a ballad, but it ain't like your traditional, you know, ballad. It's a very, this is me, this is what I'm on, and nobody else can do it this way, and get and or get away with it, you know, kind of a song. But, um, and I don't mean this, you know, it, I, I was thinking, thinking about this topic and thinking about this album. It was sort of like I didn't want to come off, you know, casting shade on it because I don't think it's a shade worthy album by any stretch, you know, um, but. It is a challenge to to come up with with unique things to say about for you, you know, outside of the context of, you know, what's to come, what's forthcoming, you know. And I, I it really, I just think that if if this was his only album, like this was his first shot, he didn't have a multi-album deal with Warner Brothers, you know. It was like one album with an option, you know. I don't know if he'd pick up that option hmm. before you. I don't. I really don't because. It's like this. It's like if For You was Prince's only album, you know, maybe he'd have another chance or another shot, you know, a few years later because For You definitely, definitely would get him hired as a session musician, right? Like Prince would have a lucrative career as a session artist right. in the late 70s going into the 80s, you know, without, really without doubt. Um, but, you know, a one and done you know, for you is, for you is, is, is not that, it's not that album. And I think that's okay because again, it, you know, when you look at a career like Prince's had, you know, and you see, you see how he started, it's really a great example and exercise for up and coming artists today to show how the importance of evolution, 
you know, label support goes to building a career. Yeah. It's a great foundational, let's build a career artist because there's longevity here. Well, you know, when you, when you look at it in the context of that, it's, it's interesting to look at it that way because, of, you know, today that's, that sort of uh, progression or, you know, the mm-hmm. chance to mature is not there, right? You have to mm-hmm. throw everything at that first album, that first single, you know, soft and wet, it would have had to be the jam, you know, blow out the doors for a label of that magnitude to commit, right. you know, commit long term. But back then, that was the norm. Like, okay, you give the guy three or whatever it was, but it wasn't, oh, this album didn't work. We're going to drop you. No, we're going to go for it. But I think, too, the other point is, to Prince's uh, thing is, I think Warner Brothers, they knew that this guy was special, too, though. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, I agree. I agree. This is not just some, you know, hitting the pan guy this guy can be the next thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. he's obviously a special case, which is why you let, you know, the 19-year-old kid from Minneapolis produce the record for the most part, right? You, you, you and they give fought hard that. for that. Yeah. yeah, they fought hard for that. So I think, so on one hand, they understand that even if out the gate this didn't do probably what we thought, there's going to be, this is an investment. You know, he's worth the time. To, to let to let him do his thing, and I think and Prince quickly, you know, jumping ahead just a second, but he quickly realizes, okay, next record, yeah, I ain't, I ain't messing around. <laughs> let me drop a bomb on him, you know. I want to be a lover, drop a classic, so let it be known that yeah, I'm, I can do this, you know. But um, yeah, for like for you is the modern equivalent of the mixtape, right? In R and B, right? So like you know, Childish Gambino had had Camp. Right. Frank mm-hmm. Ocean had Nostalgia Ultra. Right. Right. This for you is Prince's Nostalgia Ultra. And you know what I'm saying? And so it's like there's nothing wrong with that. It's really more of a cast on what's wrong with 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 the recording industry today and the problems that they have, because mm. there's almost no room for artist development. You know, right. artists have to do it all themselves and then walk to the studio. I mean, walk to the record label with the complete package or figure out a way to bypass the label, the, the label system at all. Right. It's almost like uh, you have to go from for you to purple, excuse me, for you to dirty mind on your own over the Internet at this point. Right. <laughs> Thank you. And, Thank and you. you. Right. Right. And then right. the label is going to open their <laughs> eye and say, OK, let's do controversy or, or 99. You know what I mean? But you had already then had to have figured it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. But uh, real quick, any uh, favorite tracks I, I can say right off the gate for me probably my two favorite tracks are crazy you which is an amazing song to me like i remember the first time i heard that that was the song where i was like i mean rewind the tape because one is too damn short it's like ah prince you keep doing but i just blown away by the song i still am by that song um and the other is uh, my love is forever i i love all of that i love the the little keyboard stuff and then I just everything about it and to jump into sort of the bootleg thing for a quick second there's another version of that song like a alternate mix or something where I think the drums are even more prominent or whatever beautiful beautiful record I've sitting here thinking about it. I was like in a, in a bizarro world what would that have sounded like if I heard my man MJ sing that that would mm-hmm. that could have been like an off the wall or something to me but those are my two favorite 
songs on the album. Uh, Big Ken, you got any favorites from this record? Well, yeah, I told you earlier, "My Love Forever" is perfect to me. Yeah, uh, that's still one of that's still one of his best songs, in my opinion. Uh, I also like uh, "In Love," mm. uh, the second the second cut. Uh, "Baby Baby" is a is a beautiful ballad. Um, that's very very well done. So yeah, I mean, it's a it's a few nice cuts on here. I mean, again, again, for him to be nineteen and to come up with that, you know, first album, you know, he did his thing on it, you know. It's not it's not heavyweight stuff like like Arthur said that's gonna compete with you know Rick James and all that stuff and Bootsy at that time, but it's still quality material for a debut. Yeah, and real quick before I go to your faves again, it just speaks to you know the groundwork and the foundation that was laid in Minneapolis with you know Prince, Andre, uh, you know uh, Chaz I think his name Morris. I mean those cats is doing the the learning and playing, actually playing these instruments without the deal, just in their hometown gigging to the point where he can slide into this at 19. Obviously, Prince is an exceptional musician at this point, and you brought up a very good point, uh, that recording with, uh, was, it, was it David, uh, Bobby Z? I'm sorry. Yeah. I was playing it at work the other day. <laughs> I, I, I was playing that, and one of my coworkers, he was like, what, what is this? Is this? What do you say, like Spiral Jive or something? I was like, man, this is some, this is some Prince. He was like, I don't believe you. I'm like, dude, this is before he even had a deal. Like, it's like the dude's a bad musician. <laughs> I'm like, it, it's, you sort of forget that he was an exceptional musician at such a young age. And, and this album proves that. Like, even though it's not, you know, on the level of Earth, Wind, and Fire, or whatever, but, but in terms of the musicianship, it's ridic- mm-hmm. it is ridiculous that it's that polished at such a young age. Um, but with that said, um, author, any standout songs on this album for me? Yeah. N- n- nothing that you all haven't said. I mean, I-, I think, I think love is forever is probably hands down the best, the best song on that album. Um, I really do. I really do like, like in love and crazy. You I'm, I'm with you, Mike. It was like, yeah, it's too short. Let's play this again and again and again and again. Um, but, um, baby, you know, the interesting thing about Baby is that, for me, is that it's kind of, it's weird. It's like, you know, I think some of the best music that Prince had in the 80s from a theme standpoint is when he's the one that is, that you know, that's dissed. He's the one that got left. He's the one that, you know, he was the coulda, woulda, shoulda choice and everything. And Baby's the one where he's, like, really, really vulnerable, you know? It, it, you, his, his his girlfriend's expecting he's not going to run from that responsibility he doesn't have a clear answer of how they're going to make it but they're going to do it and they're going to do it together you don't get that in a print song until like years later you know mid 90s when he's about to marry Maite you know let's have a baby you know what I'm saying it's like that's that's kind of like that one and done really unique um, voice that shows just kind of his willingness to, you know, to, to, to be vulnerable without being the martyr, because he's got a lot of martyr songs, something in the waters, <laughs> like a like a textbook Prince martyr song, you know. Um, but you know, speaking of baby, I was going to ask you, Mike, you you had the opportunity to go see the initial Paisley Park piano and microphone shows, mm-hmm. the first show. 
he did do baby were you at that first show no i was not at the first show <laughs> were you mad <laughs> I, was, I was very mad <laughs> i mean i was mad because you know I, yeah he's he, he seemed to go chronologically through his his story so i i did i did want to witness that but yeah no, i didn't uh i didn't catch that part and i mean for him to yeah it's like for him to kind of pull that out you know, that was like a perfect piano and a microphone show. Mm. <laughs> it's, you know, a song that he never would do any other kind of way in any, in any other kind of format. You know, and he picks that one song out of any other song that he's gotten for you. You know, as a, an album of songs that he's never played before. He plays that one song that night. I'll bet you that one time, because when I was in Oakland, he wouldn't, you know, he didn't pull out Baby. He didn't pull out nothing close to that. Uh, with that said, uh, we got a uh, big sexy. Are you in the house, sir? Yes, gentlemen. I apologize. There was an issue with AT and T, and believe me, Monday morning someone is fired. All right, that's all good. So we, we were Don't sort of, for that guy. Oh no, we're sort of wrapping up here. But I did want to ask you. Of course, we're talking about Princess for you. What was your first time or your first opportunity that you? Uh, listen to the album when were you introduced to it well as an album the first time I listened to it was back in 85 uh, after the Purple Rain Hysteria and I had to backfill my Prince catalog and so I picked up a copy up, up at Leopold's Records in Berkeley and ah, shout out to Leopold's definitely definitely and uh, you know from there I got turned on to it and it was cool because I know we're wrapping up but a couple of songs on there I used to put on my original Big Sexy uh, mixtape <laughs> So yeah, I would put um, babe, not baby, but uh, so blue, and crazy on those old mixtapes back in the day. Oh yeah, they did work. They did work. <laughs> All right, yeah. Um, like I said, definitely an album that's worth checking out. Um, it's the first of obviously many, and we all got to start somewhere. And I would pay money to see him do a full-on show of this album. I think the songs on there are excellent. Um, it'd be interesting to see his interpretation of these songs now. Um, it's funny, visually, he seems to be reverting back to the look of the For You days, you know, with the afro and everything. So, you know, again, I just really wanted to celebrate the first album. Um, you know, the other part of this, too, is that it's it was an interesting deal for him to get signed at that age and to get the kind of deal that he got being relatively unknown. You know, just sort of a huge deal when you think about it. Obviously, Warner Brothers signed, you know, one of their biggest stars. He ended up becoming, he be, he became Prince, right? He became the Prince, the royal badness. I was thinking the other day, like, be a chance to look back at the different eras. And I was like, the first era, he was just like the Prince kind of R&B dude. And then he becomes rude boy. Uh, then he becomes like the royal badness and I was like, after that, to me, he just becomes like uh, that, that skinny motherfucker. Like, he just, and he becomes this whole funky, like, alien funk dude or, you know, just on some other stuff. But it's interesting to look at how he progresses. And so we took the opportunity to look at the first album for you. We would love to hear what you think about the album. When was the last time? This is, here's the assignment in the comment section. Uh, whether it's on the website or on Facebook, let us know when you first heard 
of this album when you first bought it? What year was it? What did you think compared to, you know, if you were a fan of Purple Rain or Under the Cherry Moon or whatever? What did you think of this album? Uh, with that said, go around the room quickly. Gentlemen, where they can find you online, uh, starting with our guest author, where can they find you? Uh, we are online at themusicsnobs.com where you'll find our entire show library streaming. Um, and uh, we've been threatening to remaster the two Prince episodes that were um, uh, quickly snatched and shut down by MPG Music <laughs> sometime this year um, because, you know, we just don't care anymore if he, if he gets mad at us. <laughs> but um, yes, themusicsnobs.com uh, is the website and uh, we are on Twitter at Total Music Snobs. And last thing, he there's a reissue, a vinyl reissue series that's about to start, yeah. and it's going to start with with the album that we're talking about for you. My understanding is that it's going to be released on the 26th of this month. Mm. Um, so if you've never, if you're a vinyl head and you've never heard for you, uh, or you're you can't get a full copy with all the artwork, I'm imagining they're going to do a really nice release treatment uh, of all of these records, but. It's important for this one to start start right. the series off. That's what's up. Definitely check out the music snobs. Thank you, Arthur, for coming by. Oh, thank you, man. I always always appreciate you the invitations and um, you know try to try to bring something of value to 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 the show when I'm with you all. Oh man, I appreciate it. Big Ken, sir, where can they find you online? Uh, they can hit me up on Twitter at Ken Mitch and then the, at theflavorfoundation.com and uh, that's that. That's where I'll be. All right, all right, and uh, shout out to Big Sexy. He came in, did his thing, and he's out. So we, we we shout him out, and shout out to you, the listener. Thank you for supporting us and continue to listen. Again, you can find me at podcastjuice.net. That is the website. Also on iTunes, just look up Podcast Juice or the Prince Podcast and Stitcher Radio. Just look up uh, podcastjuice.net. With that, work it like a job. We'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.